Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence today. And Lord, as we sing about the victory that we have in you, I pray that you would speak into our hearts, God, that you would open up our eyes. Lord, help us to really contemplate whether or not we believe all the things that we say and that we sing about and that we pray about. God, you are more than able to do immeasurably more than we could think or imagine. And I pray that we would trust in you to be the God that we say that we believe in. Lord, help us to lean into you, to have true faith in you. Lord, that no matter what situation we're in, no matter what we can see, no matter what obstacles lie ahead, to know that you're a God who sees way beyond them. That you're a God who created all things. Lord, as we read about you in Genesis, like starting the world and creation and life, that you knew what was going to happen in the end. And you had a plan all along that 400 years before you could give everything that you promised to Abraham, you made all these promises. And you knew that 400 years that you could provide everything that you had promised him. Lord, we may not be able to see it, we may not be able to touch it, but God, you are so far above and beyond what we are. I pray, God, that we would trust and believe in you today. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are not able to be here. God, touch them. Send your Holy Spirit to be present with them in this moment. We pray that your Spirit would be present at Table Rock camp as they're meeting this morning, and God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be here in this place, but more importantly, that we would invite you into our hearts and allow you to fill us, Lord, and that would be the cry of our heart for you to fill us this morning. We love you, we thank you, and we ask all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it is great to see you. Uh, again, Table Rock Camp is taking place this week, and they, uh, they're, they're up there. If you don't know where it is, you just drive to Table Rock State Park, and we're just around the Westgate entrance, around the curve, and it's right there. Our property actually borders Table Rock State Park. Uh, camp has been going great this week. They've been some really good services. And uh, so if you haven't been able to go up there, I encourage you, tonight's the last night. Services start at 630 Please go up there and attend, show the support for the camp. It's a great thing. It's a great opportunity that we have as a denomination to still have a campground. A lot of, a lot of our districts don't still have their campgrounds anymore, so we're one of the last ones that still have our own campground and still do the ministry up there. So we encourage you to go up there if you're able, and I feel like you will have a great time as we've had all this week. So we are in week seven on questions that Jesus asked. Now, we spent the first five weeks talking about basically just hovering in the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about five different questions that Jesus asked as he was teaching, which are significant. 
But last week we changed gears and as Jesus and his disciples were in the boat on the way to go to their next ministry thing that they were doing, you know, the storm comes, all heck breaks loose, the disciples are scared and we talked about how important that was because half of them grew up in a boat on the sea and for them to be scared it would have been really significant and something worthy to be scared of. And at the same time when they woke Jesus up, Jesus said, why do you have so little faith? He kind of chastised them a little bit. Faith is the very essence of our entire relationship with God. We say that. I preach that a lot. And I know as believers you have heard it a million times, but you cannot say it enough. You cannot communicate it enough. You cannot remind yourself enough of how important just faith is to believe, to trust in God, to be who we say he is, to do the things that he said he would do, to accomplish all the things he has promised that he's going to accomplish and do in this life, in this world, and leading us into eternity. It's so important. In our life, how we live for Christ is very reflective of how much faith we have, how much we truly believe. Because the question for today's passage is, is do you believe? Which directly correlates with faith, because you've got to believe in order to have faith. It's July, right? Middle of the summer. Is it too early to start talking about Christmas? Christmas in July? I loved Christmas as a kid. As an adult, the older I get, the more work goes into it. So I don't enjoy going into Christmas as much as an adult as what I did as a kid. Because it was just, you just showed up when you were a kid and it was great. As an adult, you got to prepare. And Hannah's family is very much a Christmas family. It's a big deal. And last week, they were sending around text messages. They've already drew names for Christmas. They're already preparing. And I'm just like, is Christmas really that close? How many of you still have kids or grandkids, you know, a kid that, that still believes in Santa? How many of you still believe in Santa? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, faith and belief is a really funny thing. You know, Jesus called us to have faith like a child. You know, he looked at his disciples and he said, if you do not have faith like these children, you will never see the kingdom of God. And yet, as people, we have complicated faith, like we do with everything, to no end, to the point where it's almost like we trick ourselves in just not having simple faith. And for a kid to believe in Santa Claus, it's one of the closest things that I can think of that really, like, it's a good analogy to look and compare that. Like how a kid believes in Santa Claus versus how someone should believe in Christ and live their lives accordingly. And if you think about a kid and you think about all the things a kid does leading up to Christmas, preparing for Santa to visit, think about all the things that they do in their life. One of the first things they'll do is they'll go sit in Santa's lap and they'll ask him for presents. I don't know if you've ever thought about how weird that was or not, but for a kid, you know, and at first when you're sitting your kids on Santa's lap and they're really little, they get freaked out because it's a random man with a beard they've never met before and you sit them in their lap and they don't know him. So most kids like scream and cry. And then after a few years, most kids are like, hey, this is the guy that we go to to get what we want. 
And so they spend their whole year like forming this list of things that they want to ask for. And they are preparing, like they made a whole movie about this. If you've never watched A Christmas Story, uh, the entire movie is him getting to go to Santa and asking for the one thing that he wanted. And most kids live their life based around that like moment that they get to go sit in Santa's lap. Now, when I was little, and I can't remember if it was just like we just didn't go whenever I was really little or that just wasn't a thing yet. I remember going to sit in Santa's lap, but I also remember the days where we did the list and we mailed it to Santa. Like you mailed your list to the North Pole. But kids start forming this list because they know that if they ask for things, more than likely they're probably going to be able to get them. Their behavior begins to change as Christmas approaches. Now like January, after Christmas hits, January through like June, maybe August, they're holy terrors. And you can't get them to do anything, but once it hits about fall and you start preparing for Christmas and they're getting their list together, and it's like, you better start straightening it up or you're going to get a lump of coal and a bag of switches. And it'll, for about five minutes, they try to do better. But they'll even behave for what they believe that they're going to get. Their energy level goes through the roof. They're bouncing off the walls. I don't know how many of you are, were in education or are in education, but you know, like after Thanksgiving, when you come back, it is nuts until Christmas break because the kids are going crazy because of the excitement of what's to come. And they leave cookies and milk on the nightstands. Now, I don't know if you've ever like sit around and thought about that, but it's, it's kind of like this weird, it's like this offering. It's like, that I'm going to leave cookies and milk, and I believe and know that in the morning when I wake up, these cookies are going to be eaten and the milk's going to be gone, and what I've asked for is going to be here. It's almost like this offering. You know, they're offering this offering to Santa. It's like, we're going to give them cookies and milk, and we're going to get what we want, and this is great. They're super excited about it. And it's funny because you cannot beat your kids to get out of bed any other time of the year. But on Christmas morning, there's this internal clock that wakes them up before the crack of dawn while there's no daylight. And they will be up ravaging around like wild animals around the Christmas tree looking for what they had asked for. And they leap out of bed with anticipation to know that it's, it's just going to be there. Right? It's an amazing thing how kids can absolutely get what it's like to believe and to truly live according to that belief, and they will alter their life around that belief, but we as adults, we complicate it so much that we have such a hard time understanding it. We have such a hard time getting up every day, fully anticipating and, and, and being aware of, hey, God's always watching me. He's always with me. I have someone that I can go to and I can ask for things to help me with things. You, you, you have this understanding of, of that God can answer prayer and that he has power and he has the ability to fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you power to overcome. And a lot of times we just lose that. Children understand it way more than we do and this is why Jesus looked at his disciples and says, if you don't have faith like them, you'll never see the kingdom of God. So as we talk about our passage today, you have these two men 
that come to Jesus and they're asking him for something. And his question is, do you believe? So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 30. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Then when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored, and Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. So point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, I, I just think this is so important. Faith is simply expressed. We overcomplicate it. We overthink it. You know, you look at our world today. We have taken everything that you can possibly imagine and made it so much more complicated than, than it used to be. Like even with the fact of just... When you approach someone today, whether or not you refer to them as sir or ma'am is like you have like a 1 in 20th chance of, or actually like an 18 in 20 chance of offending them. Because we've taken it, we've made it so much more, not the church, not God, but people has made it so much more complicated than what it has to be. And we do this with everything. Like, like we, we break stuff down, we overthink, we, we do this all the time. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that like God has designed faith in him, a relationship with Christ, salvation to be attainable for anyone. From a child who can simply believe, a child who can trust and have faith so much that they're going to put cookies and milk on a nightstand because they know when they get up in the morning that Santa is going to eat those and drink that and that their presents are going to be there. It's like it's that easy to believe in God and have a relationship with him. And God had to set it up that way so that anyone can have a relationship. So you're not, you don't have to have an IQ of 120 in order to have a relationship with God. So because it's so easy and a little kid can do it, it makes it more difficult for people who are more educated, which is most people today. The more educated people are, the higher IQ they have, the more that we think about things and analyze things and break things down and evaluate and look and and question, the more difficulty we have having faith and truly believing. But God had to make it and design it in a way that anyone could have it because not everyone has a 120 IQ. Not everyone has a doctorate degree from a university. But faith is simply expressed. You think about Christmas. You know, children, they just, they just go see Santa and they ask him. So they just ask. And, you know, Santa might say, have you been a good boy, a good girl this year, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they just, they just go and they ask. They, they truly believe. When's the last time that you just went to God and simply asked? Just asked for what it is that you need or what it is that you want or what it is that you feel like needs to be done. When's the last time that you simply went to God and asked and truly believed that he was going to do what you asked for? When's the last time you put your cookies and milk out on the nightstand and expected them to be gone in the morning? 
Because you can say that you believe and you can say that I prayed about this, but when's the last time you got up and actually expected that cookies and milk to be gone just like a kid would? And I want to throw out a disclaimer because I feel like we need this. I feel like we as people have to constantly be reminded of this, that as people, you have to understand that there's a difference in things that we're seeking God for and we're asking God about and we're praying for in our life. And we need to be very aware of those things. So let's just look at it from a Christmas perspective. It's a little easy to identify with, a little easier. You know, when I was growing up, I remember making this list of things that I wanted. And I always remember, like, there's things that you wanted, there's things that you needed, and then I just always had, like, this little thing at the bottom of, like, total ridiculousness. Did you ever have the ridiculousness? Like, so, for example, you know, you knew that you were probably going to get some kind of clothes, like socks, underwear, you know, the necessities for Christmas. And you knew there were certain things that you could ask for. So, for example, like, I asked for a BB gun. Got a BB gun. Bow and arrow. Got a bow and arrow. Pocket knife. Always got a pocket knife. I I got a pocket knife for, like, the first 20-something years of my life for Christmas. And I can remember it eventually came to the point where I didn't even have to ask for it. I just knew that a pocket knife was within reason. All right? It was affordable. It It wasn't anything gigantic. It was within reason. And that I really enjoyed it. I always liked having a new pocket knife, like carrying it around, showing it off to the friends and all that stuff. And it's like, it was just the thing that I wanted. I remember when I was 26 years old, Christmas came around, we opened up everything, and I did not get my pocket knife that year. And boy, was I livid. And you talking about like you see videos of like three and four year olds getting mad and throwing stuff down and storming out. This is the worst Christmas ever. Well, that was me at 26. And ever since then, I've gotten a pocket knife after that. So I've only missed it one year, but got it. But there's things that are just like common sense, like easy, like you you know, like you can fully expect that whenever you go to God and you pray, like God has, there's, there's no reason why God would not want to do that. There's no reason why God would not be able to do that. And then there are ridiculous things. And so like I remember as a kid, I would put something like a roller coaster or an army tank, like a real army tank or a helicopter and ask for like the most ridiculous things. And I can remember waking up on Christmas morning, truly believing that whenever I woke up, I was going to get the things I asked for. Never got a roller coaster, never got an army tank, never got the helicopter, even though I'm still waiting on the helicopter, like still waiting. I was never disappointed. It never made me question whether or not I believed in Santa because I asked for something ridiculous. I knew in my mind, like, okay, this is a stretch. If it comes, awesome. Okay, like, we're all having a great time. If it doesn't, no big deal. Basically, always got everything we pretty much asked for. It was easy to have faith, and even at the same time, I didn't always get what I asked for. Like, there's a difference. You need to understand this morning that whenever you approach your Heavenly Father to know that there are things that God has designed and intended that He has always wanted you to have. And from the very beginning, He set it up so that you could receive these things. And that when you pray and you ask for these things, there's no reason why God would not give them to you. For example... 
If you ask God to save you, you cry out to God, God save me, forgive me of my sins. That price has been paid for 2,000 years ago. That gift was bought 2,000 years ago. God has just been waiting on you to receive it. You with me? All right, so, so you can ask God to, to give you wisdom. And in the book of James, it says, if you need wisdom, ask God for it. Like all these things, are there, there's so many things in our life that we can pray and we can seek God about. And God has already said, these are gifts that I have for you. I want to give these to you. This has already been set up for you to receive. The question is, is whether or not you, you want these things of God and whether or not you believe that it's there and available for you to receive. Which sometimes we overthink and struggle whether or not God's going to do these things for us, but they're there. So let's just say you want to grow closer to God. We'll pray and ask for God to grow closer, grow closer with him. Why would God not want you to grow closer to him? Everything that he's done has been leading up, give you the opportunity to grow closer to him. So let's take a time out for a second because you think about this. Okay, I want to grow closer to God. But we want to grow closer to God in this comfortable, easy, like nice way of all this stuff and you take a step back and you start listening to people's testimonies and many people who have been saved for any significant amount of time will tell you, I grew closer to God during the hardest and most difficult times of my life. It was the suffering, it was the pain, it was the heartache, it was the brokenness, it was the physical ailments, it was the things that made me miserable in this world that drove me to the Heavenly Father to help me grow closer to Him. And so then you have to take this step back and say, okay, growing closer with God is an option, but am I willing to go through whatever God ordains me to go through in order to get there? And so then it's a matter of whether or not you actually believe is growing closer to God worth it? Am I willing to ask for this because it's worth it? Am I willing to ask God to save me like I want to be saved from my sins, but I don't want to stop sinning? Sound familiar? I don't want to give up the thing that's keeping me away from my Heavenly Father. I want wisdom. I want wisdom, but I still want to act like a dummy most of the time. I want to grow closer to God, but I don't want to suffer in order to do it. And so you have to contemplate, okay, how much do I truly believe in God? Am I willing to seek God and ask for these things? Am I willing to go through whatever I need to go through in order to get it? Are you willing to sacrifice your cookies and milk and put them on the nightstand so that God can have them? If you pray for God to save someone that you love, someone you work with, I mean, you start praying for someone, it's like, dude, why would God not want to save that person that you're praying for? Jesus bled and died on the cross so that Everyone could be saved. He said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. His whole purpose for being here was so that people could be saved. And, and, and to sit here this morning and think, okay, well, like, 
Am I willing to pray for this? Well, okay, I hope so. But it's not just a matter of are you willing to pray for it? Do you believe that God can do it? But you also have to say, okay, like I, I pray, I believe that God can save this person. But what am I willing to do as part of this prayer to offer myself? Where's the milk and cookies in the situation? What am I putting on the nightstand to know that like this is something that, that is required of me to give in order to see this happen? How much are you willing to love this person? Invest, spend time with them, put up with their nonsense and shenanigans in order to see them be saved. I talked to someone after the first service and they were saying that they, their mom had prayed for their dad to be saved for 60 years. For 60 years and the mom passed away and the dad wasn't saved. Three years later, dad gave his heart to Christ. How many of you are willing to pray and see God and believe that he is able to do it even after you're gone? You talk about faith and belief. You go back, you look at Genesis 12, you look at Abraham, and you look at the promises that God made to Abraham. And all the promises that God made to Abraham, the only one that Abraham physically received himself was his son, The descendants as numerous as stars in the sky, the land that God was going to give him, that didn't come until 400 years later. And yet it says Abraham believed that God would do this and fulfill his promise. How much do we truly believe and willing to do this? And as you pray, you need to understand, you know, there there are things that you have in your life, you have needs, you have things that you, you want God to answer. And God knows that you have needs. Things like food, shelter, clothing. We associate most of these things with bills today, with the exchange of money. And understand that God wants to be your provider. God wants to provide for you. And it's not a matter of of ridiculous luxury things. And we get lost in this a lot in our culture. I've said it a lot, say it again, just kind of remind us. You know, just to remember that if you have clean, running, drinking water in your home, you're more wealthy than 75% of the world. The fact that you can go in, you can turn on your faucet, and you can drink your water without questioning whether or not you're going to get sick from it, you're more wealthy than 75% of the world. We evaluate wealth and blessings totally different from the rest of the world. And we get lost in that a lot of times. We get lost in the luxury. We get lost in, in figuring out, you know, it's like trying to figure out, like, okay, God, give me a car. Well, I don't want that car. It's old. It's not very nice. It sounds funny. I'd be embarrassed to roll up in that car in front of a group of people out in public. Or not just a home, but I just want a mansion. Or God, give me a new job because I want to earn six figures and not just have a regular five-figure job. We want to be famous. We just don't want to be average. It's like... And you listening to me this morning? We just have to remind ourselves of, of what's important and what God truly wants. 
You know, the quickest way that we can get prayers answered is to pray things that God wants and we can see God work and move. If we're praying about things that He wants, about His kingdom, His righteousness, eternal life, salvation, those are things that God wants. We can pray with those things with great confidence because there's no reason whatsoever why God would not want those things to happen. But the things of the world that we want and seek, they're just extra and it may not necessarily be God's will. It doesn't mean that it's not available for you. So, so, so look, you with me? If you're sitting here today, and maybe there is something in your life that may seem ridiculous to everybody else, I'm not telling you not to pray for those things. But don't focus on that and don't base your faith on that ridiculous thing. Don't base your belief off of that ridiculous thing about whether or not God gives that to you. Because God blesses people in different ways. And whatever it might be on your mind and heart, God may want to give that to you one day. And it may seem ridiculous to everybody else. And everybody else might be looking at you and say, that's ridiculous. Stop thinking about that. Stop Just do this thing over here. And I, I, I want to communicate that because I don't want to stifle dreams or callings on your life because God can do something in you that he might not do in anyone else. And you need to be aware of that. You need to be seeking that in your life. But it cannot be something that sounds ridiculous can't be the focus of your life. Because my experience is, is if you serve God in the little things, he knows that you'll be faithful in the big things. So you focus on the everyday, ordinary, mundane. You do it right. You serve God. You do the right things. You pray. You, you seek his face and his will. And in my experience, the other stuff will come. That's my advice for you. And when you go back to this passage of Scripture and you look at these two men who were following Jesus around, can you imagine how many people told them, well, you know, it's like, you're blind. We don't really have a whole lot of medicine in these days. There's probably not anything that we can do for you. You're probably going to be blind for the rest of your life. And for them to say, well, I want to see well, I bet you do, but that's pretty ridiculous because we don't have any way for you to see. And I'm sure everyone around them said, look, this is life. These were the cards you got dealt. You got to get used to this. You're probably going to be like this for the rest of your life. I'm sure that people thought it was ridiculous for them to try to chase Jesus around and say, hey, we want to see. But they started chasing Jesus around, and they're, they're calling out to him, and they're saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're expressing faith in a couple of different ways, which is really important because they're calling out to him. They're calling him son of David. They're acknowledging him as the Messiah, as the king from the line of David, which is really important because most of the people in Israel did not do that and refused to do it. So they're expressing their faith in him verbally, but they're also expressing their faith in him through action. And you go back and you read the story, it's pretty, uh, it's quite unique to, to look at Jesus and how he interacted with people during his day as he was ministering. Because he was moving and working and walking and doing all kinds of stuff. And there's plenty of examples and passages of scripture where people would call out to him and he basically ignored them. He didn't stop for everybody. 
He kept moving. He kept walking. And like there's so many stories where you hear people like chasing him down. The woman who just touched the hem of his robe. People just calling out to him. And, and the people just tell him, shut up, shut up. Like we want to hear Jesus. And they're yelling so loud in order to get his attention because they want him to come. And Jesus is, is not necessarily just out like going inside. I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to heal everyone. I'm just here to heal everyone and do all this stuff. Like Jesus didn't do that. If you wanted Jesus, you had to make an effort to get to him. And Jesus walked through, and these blind men were yelling at him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. We want to see. And Jesus goes inside. And the two men could have said, what a jerk. I called him the Messiah. I yelled out, I embarrassed myself in front of all these people, calling him because I believe that he could heal me, that he wanted to heal me. What a total jerk. I'll never call him the son of David again. And they could have turned around and walked away and been blind the rest of their life. But they didn't give up. As ridiculous as the thought was, as ridiculous as it sounded, they followed him in. And he said, Jesus, we want to see And it could be ridiculous. Point number two, we got to remind ourselves that Jesus is able. We've already talked about it a little bit, but we need to remind ourselves regularly that we serve a God who is able. He is able. And we got to like sit back. And whenever you're thinking and you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're going to God in prayer and there's stuff going on in your life and you're asking God to work and move, you just have to say, okay, God, like, as I'm praying, do I really believe that the God I'm praying to is able to do this? Do I really believe that he is capable of answering the prayer that I'm crying out to him right now? Because he looked at these two men and he didn't just say, do you believe? I mean, that's the title of the sermon, do you believe? But he doesn't just say, do you believe? He, he says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And the men answer, yes. Like, we've, we've called your name. We chase after you. We come into this place inside to chase after you because we believe that you're able to do it. You serve a God who is more than able. Some of you in here this morning may need to just remind yourselves you just need to keep going and keep asking. To not give up. You know, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 3, he's telling them in the letter, he's like, look, man, I've been praying for you. This is how I've been lifting you up in prayer. And he's explaining like everything that he's been praying for him. And in verses 20 through 21, as the chapter is ending, Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. When Paul is writing this, Paul is acknowledging the fact that we serve a God who is not only capable of doing anything that you could think or to ask for, but he's also capable of doing more than you could ever think or ask for. So it's like whenever you're praying... 
and you're seeking Christ and you're seeking God to work and move in a situation or circumstance or even in your own life or to help you overcome a sin or, or to help you grow closer to Him, it's like not only do you have to say, okay, God, do I really believe that you can do what I'm asking you to do? But you also have to sit back and think and remind yourself, okay, Scripture says that God is able to do even more than what I'm asking or thinking for. Whatever I'm at, whatever I'm pleading to him about, God is able to do even more. Like, I can't even come up with enough ridiculous things to ask for that God could not do. He can do more. And it's not a matter of, of just kind of like trying to hone you guys in and trying to make sure, well, don't pray for ridiculous things. and Don't pray for God to, to, to bless you. Because, yes, he can and he's able. He wants to. But, you know, seek God and, and seek his face and his kingdom and eternity because that's what he really wants and desires. Because listen to me this morning. Everything that God can give you in this world that's physical, everything that we could think to ask for, it's temporary. It fades And while, yes, God can bless us in physical, worldly ways, it's so much more important for for Him to bless you in spiritual ways because the spiritual is eternal. And if He gives you spiritual things, it lasts for eternity. It goes with you from this life to the next. If He blesses you with physical things, it stays here. And eventually one day it's destroyed. And if he gives it to you while you're young and you live to be like 120, it's just going to deteriorate and fall apart. And if it doesn't, it's just going to be obsolete. And you're just going to sit it up on the shelf and be like, that was cool back in the day. Everything that he can give you that's worldly is, is, is worthless. But everything that he can give you that's spiritual is just, it has endless value. And he is a God who's more than able. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So we talk about faith and we talk about belief. Jesus always communicated the fact that he wanted us to understand that anything is possible. Whatever prayer that you've been praying, like, it's possible. Whatever you could ever think to ask for, like, it's possible. It may not ever happen, but it's possible. Like there are things that I pray for and I ask and I'm like, okay, God, like these are things that I want to see. These are things that I would love to see you do and accomplish in our church, in our community. And if it never happens, like it's okay. But I have faith to believe that the next pastor coming in might get to see it. Or the third or the fourth and maybe 50, 75, 100 years from now, the things that I pray for will be done. Because we serve a God who's able. It may not be done in our lifetime, but are we willing to pray for it and see that God does it in a time to come whenever we're no longer here? Point number three. It is according to your faith. We lose this a lot of times. We miss out so much on things that God can do or wants to do just because we don't have the faith to see it done. Jesus looked at these men and he tells them, let it be done according to your faith, which is so powerful. 
And you look at the power of God and what God is able to accomplish. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's unexplainable. Like from all the stuff from Genesis all the way up to where we are today leading into what's going to happen. Like God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine. God wants to answer prayer and work and move in your life. God wants to provide for you. And yes, I believe that there are times where God wants to bless you with ridiculous things that we don't deserve and don't need. I mean, I stand before you today, and as, as a believer for 23 years, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of things that I prayed for when I was younger that hasn't come. And, and, and sometimes like it was a little frustrating but 23 years down the road, I can look back and I say, you know what? Like, God has not given me everything that I've prayed for, but God has blessed me so much. And there are so many things that God has given me that's much better than what I was asking for. Like, I don't look back at my life and wish like anything was done differently in anything. Because God has always blessed, God's always provided and given more than we could ever ask for or deserve. And so much of life is according to our faith. You know, if you're sitting here today and, and you're just like, you know, I, I'm young. I really haven't seen God answer a whole lot of prayer. I really would like to see God answer prayer. The greatest chance that you have of seeing God answering prayer is to pray for things that you know that God wants. To know that God wants to, to save people, we should be praying for God to save people. And the more you pray for it, the more you see it. It's amazing. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy how, how it happens. It's like when you have the faith to sit down and cry out to God and say, God, we want to see people get saved. We went through like a five-year dry spell here at the church where no one got saved. And we've been praying about that for a long time. And like in the past several months, we've had like six people get saved. It's like you pray for it. It's amazing what God will do. God wants to call people to ministry. We've had two people called to ministry this past month. God absolutely wants you to raise your kids with wisdom and discernment. God wants to help you raise your kids up in him to do the right things. But we have to seek him, seek his face, do the things that he's called to do. God wants to heal people. God wants to heal people. God wants to grow our classes, ministries, the church. He wants to be glorified in your life. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to. The question is, is like, what are you asking him for? Are you asking him for a new car? Are you asking him to grow closer, to fill you with the Spirit? The new car sounds great. But we know the Spirit... It might cost us something. And so we're scared to ask for it. But the quickest way to see God answer prayer is to ask for things that he wants. He wants to empower you. He wants you to be a witness and minister for him. It's all according to the faith we have. And this morning, I'm, I'm sure there's some of you who's been asking 
God to do something for a long time. You've been praying and you just feel like God has answered your prayer. Maybe you're just frustrated and you're just like, I'm just starting to get done. Like I'm starting to get where I'm just, I'm tired of asking for the same thing over and over again. And my encouragement to you is don't give up. Don't stop. There's so many passages where Jesus encourages his disciples to just keep on praying. You look at Luke chapter 18 verse 1. As Jesus begins to tell the parable of the persistent widow. And it says that Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus called his disciples to be men of prayer and to keep praying and not give up. And don't get frustrated if you don't see it done in this lifetime. You keep praying and trust and believe in a God who extends far beyond you. That if it's worth praying for, and it's worth seeking God, and it's worth asking Him to do it, that even if He doesn't do it in your lifetime, that it's still worth asking for. And you can be the initial investor into a prayer that might be answered years later. I thought it was a great testimony this morning from that guy who came up and just said, Hey, my mom prayed for my dad for like 60 years, and she died never saw him saved. Three years after her death, he gets saved, gives his heart to Christ. What would have happened if she had never prayed? We got to be willing to invest and keep praying. Even if it sounds ridiculous, I'm still waiting for my helicopter. I know it's ridiculous. I do not need one. If I die without one, I'll be happy. If I get one, I'll be happy. You'll see me flying around, I'll wave at you. But you're not going to receive if you don't ask for it. You with me this morning? That's not wealth and prosperity. It's just like if there's things on your heart, if you feel like God wants to do something in your life, if you feel like there's something that, that, that God has, has created you for, pray about that. Ask Him. Seek His face. Keep praying. But maybe some of us in here just needs to be redirected in our prayer. Matthew 6, verse 33, as he's teaching about prayer, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now think about Solomon in this wonderful story as Solomon becomes king, and he's a young man, and God appears to him in a dream, and he says, Solomon, whatever you want, whatever you want, you ask for, I will give you anything that you want it's like dude how awesome would that be how awesome would it be to to hear the audible voice of God and for him to clearly communicate with you and say I will give you whatever you want man that would be like the greatest thing ever and I'm sure many of you are sitting here thinking like I know exactly what I would ask for and like it'd be great and as God Give Solomon the opportunity to, to be completely selfish and ask for anything, anything in the world. Solomon says, God, I'm a young man and I just don't know. Will you give me wisdom and show me how to lead your people? And God is so impressed with Solomon's request that he says, because you've asked for wisdom, because you've asked 
was the ability to lead my people, and you didn't ask for wealth and fortune and fame and all those things, I'm going to give you all that as well. And there might be some of you in here this morning who you've been praying about something. You've been praying about this thing that you want or this situation or this circumstance or you want God to do this thing in your life. And that's all you've been praying for. And maybe you just need to be reminded this morning, seek God in His kingdom first. When you seek Him, you give your heart, you give your life to Him. It's amazing and all the other things that God will just do that you don't even have to ask for. I can't tell you how many ways in my life I've been, I've been blessed with things that, that I haven't asked for. I'm thankful for them. I don't deserve them. But God has blessed me in a lot of ways I've never asked for. And I just believe because I've tried to follow Him. And I am imperfect at it. I've screwed up a lot. But I can tell you through personal experience, like seeking God in His kingdom first, it's amazing at, at what He will do. He wants to bless you like you look all throughout Scripture. It's like everybody who followed the Lord and was faithful, like God blessed them. A lot of people suffered for the Lord. You with me? A lot of people suffered for the Lord. And a lot of people were greatly blessed from the Lord. There may be things in life that you have to suffer through for the Lord. But know that there are things in life that God wants to bless you with as well. Seek God. Trust in Jesus. Trust in prayer. Tonight, whenever you lay your head down and you pray and like you, you get ready for bed, think about whether or not you truly believe your milk and cookies are going to be gone in the morning. Because that kid's going to leave those milk and cookies and fully expect for it to be gone and those presents to be there for what they asked for to be delivered. And in your life, how much do you truly believe in Christ? That when you pray and you seek his face and you say, God, will you do this? Will you answer this prayer? Will you show up? Will you move in this way? How much do you truly expect those milk and cookies to be gone in the morning? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to be called your children. Jesus, I pray that you would remind us regularly that we belong to you, that you love us, that you are your children, you want to be our provider. And Lord, we can come to you and we can ask for things we know that you want with full confidence that you'll answer those prayers. And Lord, there's even ridiculous things in our life that we could ask for that you may entertain one day. Father, we trust in you that you're the one who can provide all these things. And I pray that you would help us to believe just as these two men Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. We believe in you. We believe that you are able to do this. And I pray that our faith would give us the ability to see you work and move. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.